And today we're going to be talking about what makes Jesus sick. <laughs> it's a question. What makes Jesus sick? Are you ready for that this morning? Come on. Are you ready for that this morning? Now, by the way, if you're new to church today for the first time, um, <laughs> I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be opening the book of Revelation this morning. So don't think that I'm going to be giving you um, doomsday. You know, every time we talk about Revelation, people are thinking, end time. There's, there's a lot of juice for us in the book of Revelation. And that's what we're going to journey on this morning. Revelation chapter 3 from verse 14. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodicean writes, This thing says the, the, the Amen. Jesus is the Amen. He's not so powerful. This thing says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will, what will he do? Vomit you out of my mouth. Have you, have you noticed that... Um, People who usually vomit are people who are not feeling well. So Jesus is saying, I prefer you are cold or I prefer you are hot. He says, I could wish you were cold or hot. So Jesus is saying, it's better to be cold and, or better to be hot. So somebody say, what does it mean to be cold? We are going to talk about that this morning because many people don't know what it means to be cold for God. We think cold, <laughs> you'll be shocked today. Now next verse, verse 16. Jesus now says something. He says, but then because you are what? You are what? Look, everybody say lukewarm. So the problem is lukewarmness. He says, You are not cold, you are not hot because you are lukewarm. What is he going to do? I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus said. So, in order for us to understand properly this scripture, let's consider the following. Remember, Jesus wrote this to the to where to La, huh? to the to the Ladosin church. Are you following? Now, notice the statement. So let's understand the background of this city. The first thing is that this city was a very wealthy city. In fact, in those days, it was one of the largest cities with the largest amount of wealth. Are you listening this morning? And there are three things that attributed to their wealth. Number one, it was a banking center. Ladosin was a banking center. And one of the wealthiest cities of the world in that time. Write it down, number one. Number two, they used to manufacture fabrics. They manufactured fabrics um, like, well, like um, woolen clothings and carpets for the wool for local ships. So when it comes to business, um, Ladosin was on the top when it comes to business. They one of the, when it comes to the banking, they were at the top. When it comes to business, when it comes to, um, to clothing, to clothes materials, they were the top. They manufactured clothes, sold materials. And number three, they, were also, they also had a famous medical school which exported to the world special eye and ear ointment. So when it came to medicine, they were leading. So look at this. If you have a country that leads in banking, they also lead in manufacturing of clothes materials, and they also lead in the, in, in the medical industry. It was a very wealthy city. Look at that. So what was the background of the church in Ladosin? Number one, it was the only church of all, because Jesus talked to seven churches in the book of Revelation chapter 3, Ladosin was the only church that Jesus did not give any praise to. 
He didn't give them any praise. All the other churches, he praised them, then he corrected some things in the church. But for this particular church, no, no, no praise. Look at, we just read it now. No praise. And interestingly, this book of um, Revelation 3, the, this church, this is the only time that Jesus wrote to the angel of the church of Laodicea. In the other churches, he never wrote to the angel of the church. He wrote to, to the church, to the church. Oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to explain to you why Jesus talked to this church in this particular way. So, are you ready for that this morning? Now, how many of you know the book of Colossians? Colossians, right? Colossians are the people of Colossus. Now, Colossus is very close to the Laodiceans. They were neighbors. So, let's look at some of the things that Paul talked to this same church. In, in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 13. Colossians 4, 13. He says, For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in where? Look at it. In Laodicea. He says, and those in um, Herapolis. So they were closed cities. Next verse. Verse 14. He says, Look, the beloved physician, and them as greet you. Next verse. 15. He says, Greet the brethren who are where? Laodicea, uh-huh, and um, Nymphas, and the church that is in the house. 16. Now when the, the, the epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church. Are you seeing that? Of the Laodiceans. And that you likewise read the epistles. So Paul actually sent letters to this particular church. So Jesus, through John, was talking to these churches that existed in those days. Now look at um, Colossians 2. The next, Colossians 2 verse 1. Let's see the message to the to Colossus that Paul actually spoke to them about. Everybody read one to go. Uh-huh. In the flesh, next. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Both to verse three. All the treasures of what wisdom and knowledge. So Paul wrote to these same churches and encouraged them to continue the gospel. But something happened to this church. I don't want to see this money. Let's go back to Revelation chapter three, verse fifteen. Now you understand this in the context of what is going on here. Revelation three, verse fifteen. Now he says, "I know your works." So God looked at their works. They were actually working. They were working. They, when it came to zeal, they were zealous for God. He says, but you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were not cold. Sorry, I wish you were cold or hot. He says, but because you are neither of those, because you are lukewarm, he says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So the problem with the church was not apathy. They were not slack. They were not slack people. Mm -mm. The problem is that they were busy. They were busy busyness with God. They were too busy for God. But it was not their works that made Jesus want to vomit them. No. Their works were lukewarm. That was the problem. The Bible said that they were lukewarm. It is not that their works were bad. No, it was lukewarm. So the problem was not that they were not doing deeds. No, they were actually doing deeds. But it is how they were doing them. That was the problem with Jesus. Glory to God. What does it mean to be hot? Let's define things now. Write it down. To be hot means when you are on fire for God with God's fire. 
To be hot means when you are on fire for God with God's fire. Look at Titus chapter 2 verse 14. Titus 2 14. So the Bible says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own what? His own what? Special people. Zealous for good works. Are you seeing that? So being hot for God means that you are living a spirit-led and spirit-empowered fire. It's a spirit-led life. It's a spirit-empowered life that is on the that is, that is working his life with God's fire. It's when you are on fire for God with the fire of God. Hallelujah. So what does it mean to be cold? Let's define it. Cold is when you do nothing until God's fire burns. That's what it means to be cold. Listen very carefully. To be cold means you do nothing until fire comes. That means being cold is a good thing. You know why? When you are cold for God, it means that if God doesn't give me direction on this matter, I will not take any step until he tells me exactly what to do. That's what it means to be cold for God. That means, that means this guy would not walk in the flesh. He will not walk in the flesh. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? <laughs> Hello, I used to hear this morning. So, what does it mean to be lukewarm? Lukewarm is a mixture of hot and cold. That means what, what mixture does, what lukewarmness really is, is when you have a form of godliness without the power of God. So, for instance, if I start living my life without the fire of God, when God has not given me fire, and I start to make steps without, 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 without the fire of God, I'm being lukewarm. I'm being lukewarm. Are you seeing that? And if I say that I'm on fire for God, without his fire, I'm being lukewarm. Hello? Are you still here? Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 2. Let me show you some scriptures about what it means to be lukewarm. He says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So you can be zealous for God, but if your zeal is not backed with the spirit of God, it's not backed with the power of God, the Bible says you are lukewarm. You are lukewarm. Philippians 3, 6. It says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So when it came to zeal, many people are very zealous for God. But their zeal is all a form of godliness. It is not back to the fire of God. And as long as God's fire is not there, it's lukewarmness. It's lukewarmness. Glory to God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 14. Look at the scripture again. He says, I have advanced in Judaism beyond many of my um, contemporaries in my own nation. He's, look, at, look, at, look, look at what Paul was saying. Paul was saying that before he met Jesus, when he, came to, when he came to being on fire, he was on fire. Are you seeing that? But he was not on fire with God's fire. So the Bible says, he says, being more what? Look at what Paul said, I was being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of our fathers. So Paul was very zealous for God. In fact, Paul thought he was working for God when he was destroying Christians. Jesus looked at him and said, you are very lukewarm. Because it's better if he was cold. Sometimes, when God doesn't speak about a matter, it is better to be cold. Hello? God's silence doesn't mean God is absent. Hallelujah. Sometimes God may not speak on a matter. Doesn't mean God is absent. God is right there with you, but he will say nothing about the matter. It is better to be cold and wait until God's fire comes. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Galatians chapter 4 verse 17 and 18. Follow what I'm saying very carefully to help you. He says, they zealously caught you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you, 
that you may be zealous for them. The next verse, verse 18. He says, but it is good to be zealous in a good thing always. And not only when I am present with you. You know, there are, there are those who are eye service. They do eye service. He says, all those things you are doing, your zeal, people are seeing you are working. But if the work you are doing is not with the fire of God, he says, you are lukewarm. That is what lukewarmness is when it comes to the scriptures. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. Let me show you one more. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, sorry, the kingdom of heaven, but he who does what? Who does what? Read, want to go? The will of my father where? In heaven. How you going to know the will of the father in heaven? By the spirit. By the Holy Ghost. He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, why have we not prophesied in your name? Look at that. They were on fire for God, but we're not with God's fire. Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Next verse. And then I will declare to them. What will he say to them? Want to go read? I never knew you, uh-huh. Depart from me, uh-huh. You will practice lawlessness. <laughs> Next verse, 24. Okay, that's all, by the way. Thank you very much. Now, let's look at this, um, 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 this particular church that Jesus spoke about. Now, give me the next verse, Revelation 3, verse 17. Follow this very carefully. Now, read on the screen. Want to go, everybody? Hey, come on. All of you are this side. Can you read? Now, you ready? Let's go. On the screen. Want to go read? I am rich, uh-huh. I become wealthy, uh-huh. I have need of nothing. Continue. Hey, you ready? Miserable, uh-huh. Poor, uh-huh. Blind and naked. So Jesus said that this church, they said to themselves that we are very rich. Not only are we rich, we are wealthy. You know the difference between rich and wealth? There are two different things. Rich, richness can finish. Wealth cannot finish. Riches is rivers. Wealth is an ocean. I see the difference. So they said that when it comes to riches, we are rich. When it comes to wealth, <laughs> he said, in fact, we don't need anything. <laughs> so this church was self-confident. They had, is a self-confident confident church it was this church was very popular very pragmatic very prosperous and very proud but guess what they were very powerless they were very powerless jesus said you say i am rich i have become wealthy and i have need of nothing so their estimate of their wealth was not based on the riches in christ but on their own resources that was the problem they trusted in their own riches, in their own resources, than in the riches of Christ. God said, yeah, Jesus said they are very lukewarm. Now, what was Jesus' reply to the church that claimed that they are very rich, wealthy, and they have need of nothing? What's the first thing he told them? He says, you are what? Talk to me now. You are what? Wretched. Now, the word wretched is only used one place in the Bible. The same word. Only used one place in the Bible. If the other place is 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Look at it. Where Paul talked about himself. How that Lord, how the Lord has wanted to destroy his life. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. He says, we are of all men most pitiable. The, the King James gives the word wretched. The same Hebrew word there. Sorry, Greek word, wretched. So, you know when Paul said, oh, wretched sinner that I am. He says, look at what the law has done. So when Paul was talking about his um, disregard for the law, he said that I was a wretched sinner. Hallelujah. So the difference between Paul is that Paul was cold. Paul knew how wretched he was. And he saw that he needed to be saved. So Paul was cold and God's fire came on him. Hallelujah. But the, 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 the Laodicean church, they were lukewarm. They didn't need fire. They didn't need the power of God in their lives. Hallelujah. In the next part, let's go back again. Revelation 3, 17. The next reply that Jesus gave them. What the second one he told them? Read the power now. I want to go read. 
You are what? Miserable. Sorry, I gave you the wrong scripture for the first one. It's Romans 7, 24. Romans 7, 24, where Paul talked about sin. He says, O wretched man that I am. He says, who would deliver me from the body of death? So in this scripture, Paul was cold. Paul was cold. And guess what? He was delivered from the body of death because fire came into his life. He received the gospel and he was moved from darkness to light. Hallelujah. So now, Jesus said that the second, second thing, the church is what? Miserable. Everybody say miserable. Now, the word miserable is only used one place also in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. It says, in this life, only we have hope in Christ. It says, we are all of all men, the most what? Pitiable. In the same Greek word here, that means the word pitiable is the same word here means miserable. Pitiable. So Paul is saying that if this life, he says, if in this life, only we have hope in Christ. He says, if there's no hope in Christ, we are all miserable in our lives. Hallelujah. So Jesus said that you are very miserable. You don't even know you are miserable. Look at the next thing he told them. <laughs> Look at the next thing he told them. Um, read. What's the, the, the third reply Jesus gave them? He said they were poor. Hey, hold on. They said that. They said, I am, I am rich. I am wealthy. Jesus said, no, you are poor. You know, some people, they are so poor that all they have is money. They are so poor that all they have is money. That's what Jesus told them. He says, you are rich and wealthy, but you are very poor. You know, so the other, so somebody can look poor, but he's rich. But the other things, church, they were very rich, but Jesus said they are very poor. Because how God judges prosperity is not with money. You're not hearing me. Prosperity is only judged amongst men, not with God. No, tell me, you, you think God needs your money? You think God needs money to buy something? No, talk to me now. So, if a man will not need money to buy anything, and he doesn't need money in his life, how is he going to judge a rich man? Definitely not money. He only judges our riches with the revelation that we have of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, look at the next thing Jesus told them. What's the next reprimand he told them? They were what? What? Blind. That means to them, they were seeing very well. Jesus said they are very blind. That means they can't see. What's the next thing he told them? Read again. They are what? But these guys were all dressed in nice suits. They wear the best clothes. I mean, when it comes to dressing, you can't beat them. They dressed in their success. But Jesus said they are very naked. How God judges things is not the way we judge things. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You can look at somebody very poor. Jesus says he's a very rich guy. And just hold on. You will see the result of what he's saying. Because when it comes to God's riches... When you are rich in the spirit, it will show physically. I'm telling you, it will show physically. Just a matter of time. If you will focus and stay with God's fire, it will burn. And when it burns, guess what? When light, you know, let me tell you something about about about. Tell something about fire. Fire does not know what is chair, what is speaker, what is fan, what is um, table, what is rug. When fire comes, when fire comes on a building, what does fire do? It burns everything. He doesn't care what material you are made up of. Look at the twin tower. When um, Osama sent just a plane with fuel, with the thing, the thing burnt metal, brought it to the ground. That's how fire is. The power of God is likened to fire. So when God's power comes on the place, doesn't matter what the case is, doesn't matter what the sickness is, doesn't matter what it is, it will burn anything that is not of God. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Can I prophesy to you this morning? 
as the fire of God comes on your life, whatever God has not planted in your life will die today in the name of Jesus. So, when you are lukewarm, a lukewarm Christian is a Christian that is doing activity without the power of God. That's who a lukewarm Christian is. <laughs> verse, verse 18. Jesus said, look at verse 18. If you want to go read, everybody. I counsel you, uh-huh. To buy from me what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look at that. I'll continue. Uh-huh. Clothed, uh-huh. 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 With eyes love, that what? That you may see. So Jesus counseled them to buy from me. Number one, look at it. Jesus said, buy what? Buy what? The first thing he told them, buy gold. Buy gold from me. That means it is gold refined in fire. Remember, I, I told you one of these series. I told you that if you are building with gold, silver, and precious stone, when it goes through fire, what happens to it? It will not be destroyed. But if you are building your life on wood, hay, and straw, if it goes through God's furnace, it will burn. It will burn. And what does gold represent? Gold represents righteousness. It represents righteousness. So, and listen, so when you, when you see your life in Christ, what Christ is in Christ only and not anything else. He says you are refined in fire. Hallelujah. You are refined in fire. And the Bible says that in Christ dwells all the treasures of the wisdom of God. Colossians 2 verse 3. Look at it. In Christ. Tell somebody in Christ. Tell somebody in Christ. Read one to go everybody. He says in Christ, uh -huh, in whom all what? Hidden all the treasures of what? And what? Read again everybody. One to go. Uh-huh. Of what? Read again. One to go. Jesus is the treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, it is hidden. In Christ. That's the reason why you can read Genesis to Revelation and not see. You know, do people don't keep treasure beside their TV in your house. Is that where you keep your treasure? No. You don't keep it outside your house. Where is treasure? You keep it somewhere that nobody can easily access. That means in the scripture, if you don't stay with Christ, you will not see his treasure. You will not see his treasure. Because his treasure is hidden in the pages of scripture. And until the Holy Spirit comes on your life and begins to inspire you with God's revelation, you will miss the wisdom of God. And the Bible says there are treasures in the scriptures. Treasures in Christ. Hallelujah. Give me again verse 18. Revelation 3, 18. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that ye may become what? Rich and white garments that ye may be called clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Know what God is saying? That when my grace comes on your life, it will cover, it will cover your weakness because grace colors your life. But when you begin to function outside the grace of God, you become naked. That means people start seeing your weakness. They start seeing your limitation. But if you stay where God has put you in and you are clothed with his white garment, they cannot see your nakedness anymore. Hallelujah. He says, that ye may be revealed. He says, and I will anoint your eyes with eyes like that you may see. God wants you to see, but you can only see when you come into Christ. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. That's verse 19, the next verse. Verse 19. Read one to go, everybody. Uh-huh. 
I rebuke and chastise. Uh -huh. Therefore, but what? He said what? Be zealous and what? And repent. Be zealous and repent. What does it mean to repent? That means from this day, anything you are doing in your life, do it with the power of God. Do it with the power of God. How can you do the power of God? You've got to trust God. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. You've got to trust God. You've got to put Christ must be the, come the anchor of your faith, the anchor of your life. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. Notice, notice, there's something interesting about the book of Revelation that I noticed. When Jesus was writing to the churches, it is the, it, this only church he told them to the angel of the church of Ladocins. Give me, can you give me the, um, any other church you wrote to? I, I want to see the language in which Jesus used for the other churches. You'll be, because I want to communicate something to you today. Not this one, not verse 14. Any other previous verses where Jesus spoke to any here? Look at it. It says to the angel of the church where? In where? In Sardis. Notice, notice he spoke to the angel of the church in a particular country. Give me another, another one again. The next um, guys he spoke to. Read one to go. To the angel of the church where? In Philadelphia. So he mentioned the country. The country, right? Not the people. He talked to the country where the church was residing. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Give me the next church again. Look at this one now. In answer to the angel of the church of, 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 not in Lacedonia, but of the Lacedonians. This is the only church Jesus spoke to them this way. You know why? Because this church did not belong to Jesus. It was a church, but where was Jesus? Verse 20. Read one to go. <laughs> So Jesus was outside the church. So he was standing outside the church and knocking at their door. Lado sins, how far? Let me enter the church. They say, no, we don't need you. We are rich, we are wealthy, we need nothing from you. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, what would he do? He says, I will come into him and dine with him and he with him. Shout amen somebody. Hallelujah. So this church, they, this church did not belong to Jesus Christ. It was their own church. It was not governed by Jesus. It was governed by the body. That means in spite of all the activity, Christ was outside. Outside. So what am I telling you? Check your life today. Is Christ outside your life? Because the way you are living your life today, are you living with the power of God or not? Because if you're not living your life with the power of God, you are actually, Christ is not in your life. He is the head of your life, but he's not ruling as the head. You are the body and you're ruling your life. For instance, you're about to make certain decisions in your life. Do you consider God? Do you talk to God about it? You know, I say it all the time. Let me come up for a moment. You know, for instance, you tell Christians, let us pray. Huh? Let us pray. Then, they say, Kai, this prayer thing, this prayer thing is very tiring. You know what the Bible says? Um, Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Give me a message Bible. Oh no, give me Amplified. I want to show you something. Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Thank you Lord Jesus. Um, give me Amplified. Can we read now? I can we read now. Are you ready? Read one to go. Wait, hold on. Who is you? Who is you? Is it the pastor or the prophet or the evangelist? Who is you? 
It's you, right? It's you, right? Say me. Say, but me. Beloved. Then anyway, you see yourself, say, talk to yourself, call yourself by name, put your name in the description now. Are you ready now? Read, want to go. I said, put your name now. Call your name now. So, but those him, beloved, build yourself up, founded on your most holy faith. Uh-huh. 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 Hold on. How many of you want to make progress in your life? Uh-huh. How are you going to make progress in your life? Talk to me now. No, talk to me. How are you going to make progress in your life? Praying in where? In the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. Okay. What is an edifice? What's an edifice? Hi, right. Somebody should wake that brother over there. So I sit down with no cheating. I'm, I'm, I'm sending seeds now. You miss the seed, not plant your heart, you lose it. Hello, are you following now? What is an edifice? An edifice is a high-rise building, like Bosch Khalifa. Do you understand? Like Bosch Khalifa. A tall building. So the Bible says, your life may be here now. May be so down. You may be in the downwest part of life. But if you will pray in the spirit, he said you will begin to rise like an edifice higher and higher. I see some of you rising in your families in the name of Jesus. Hold on. Hold on a moment. If you want to rise above the status quo, if you want to rise, you know, there's what is called rising, where all of you have been in the same location for a long time. But if you are going to rise, say, pray in the Holy Ghost. 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 You know why? People who pray are very humble people. People who don't pray are very arrogant. They are like the church of Ladocines. We are very wealthy. We have money. We don't need nothing from you, Jesus. Why are we praying then? Are you seeing that? Now, let me show you something else again. Um, give me that scripture where the Bible talks about um, the, one, the one where he talked about um, that God is able to do extremely abundantly. Above all, I think it's the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter, chapter 2 or 3, I think. 320, yeah. Ephesians 320. Thank you. Who, who told me that? You, right? Thank you. I mean, you, you know Bible. That's good. Ephesians 3.20. Jude 1.20. Ephesians 3.20. Isn't that very nice? All ending in 20s. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Ephesians 3.20. All right. Are you ready to read now? Let's read one to go, everybody. Now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly above. Uh-huh. Sorry, abundantly above. Notice, notice, Paul didn't say, now to him who is able to do exceedingly all that we ask or think. That's not what he said. He, he didn't say, God is able to do abundantly all that we ask or think. That's not what he said. He, and he did not also say, God is able to do above. What did he say? God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly. Uh-huh. What does it mean to exceed? Exceedingly means it passes the bucket. Abundantly means it just has an overflow of blessing. And then it's above all that we want, acts, or what? That means even your thinking is important to God. What type of thoughts do you allow in your mind? Are you seeing that? Somebody, somebody is thinking as a poor man, he will never become worthy in his life. He will remain where he is. Are you seeing that? I tell people, I say that, do you know that you can drive the car you want to drive before you ever drive it? How? Where? In your mind. Because what is called imagination, the power, 
this is, listen, the power of life is in your imagination. There is nothing in this room that you see that was not born out of somebody's imagination. Absolutely nothing. Everything starts from there. Somebody imagine this television, how this screen will look like, the, the dimensions. He began to design it on paper, began to draw it, and then began to figure out the materials. Have you seen that? Somebody imagined it. Tell somebody, imagine, imagine where you want to be in your life. Stop having stupid imaginations. You are imagining Satan coming to attack you and kill you and strangle you in the night. That's why Satan came to you and strangle you. I say, yes, see, I thought about it and they attacked me. It's you that created it. You welcome Satan into your home. Don't you realize it? Let me, let me give you practical. How many of you, you, you're in your house when you're off your somewhere, you just sat down and started thinking about somebody and all of a sudden the person called your phone? Has that happened to you before? Wave your let me see what happened to you. Some of you have to your hand. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Do you think that was a coincidence? Of course not. It's a law of, and listen, this is not anything spiritual now. It is the frequency of your mind. The frequency of your mind. Your mind can travel to the United States right now. Your mind can travel to South Africa right now. And you are here in bodily form. But your mind is there. Your mind. Because that's what your mind does. When you begin to think about something, your mind begins to send brain waves. Magnetic waves. And that person receives the waves and says, Kai, let me call it. Before you know, I just think about the person. just saw the person's call. And I say, ah, I don't think about you now. It's not coincidence. So imagine if you consciously use your mind to create your future. To create your future. Hallelujah. And this is the reason for praying in the Spirit. The reason for praying the Holy Ghost is because the Holy Ghost is going to act on your mind. He's going to act on your mind. He will bring God's mind, God's ideas, God's visions for your future into your mind. And then when you catch it, you have to now begin to think that direction. Think that direction until the manifestation of that reality. Now look at this. He says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above how many things? How many things? That will what? Acts or? Uh -huh, but hold on. There's one something, something there. And I said, according to what? To the power that what? That works in you. Hey, Acts 118. Let me show you something. We'll come back here. I want to show you something. I want to ask you a question. Does a Christian have power? Yes or no? If you don't know, raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, so when does power come to the Christian? When does power come? What? I said Act 118. Sorry, Act 18. Not 18. Sorry. Act 18. How does power come? When does power come? Read, want to go. But ye shall receive what? Power. What is power here? Power is the Greek word dunamis. It's a dynamic power to cause change. It's, it's like a dynamite, like TNT. Say you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has what? Come upon you. So every Christian receives power when the Holy Ghost comes. Once you receive the Holy Ghost, power has come. You become the powerhouse of God. Now I'll go back to Ephesians 3.20. So that means there is no Christian that has received the spirit that is powerless. So listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. So it is not that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. Because it is not prayer that produces power. What produces power is when you receive the Holy Ghost. Are you still here? So, how can a Christian become powerless? It's depending on the power that is working inside you. He says, God is able to do extremely abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you. So, if the power of God that, let me use money now, if the power of God that works in you is 10 naira, God will do 
exceedingly, abundantly, above 10 naira. So what is exceedingly 10 naira? 11 naira. <laughs> if the power of God at work in you is 2K, God will do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above 2K. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? So the question is, the exceeding abundantly above results is the pain that is according to, not out of, according to. That means in proportion to the power of God at work in you. You have a big generator inside you. But you are only using, you only use, let's say you can pack it into 111 kV. Out of 10,000 kV, you are only using 1 kV in your life. And the only way to activate power in you is when you pray in the Holy Ghost. That's why prayer, you see, when, when we are praying, praying is not because we want God to do something for us. That's the least part of prayer. That's the least part of prayer. Asking and receiving is, the, is, the, is, is for babies. We don't pray just because we want to get a car or get a house or get money. No! We, pay, we pray to generate and activate power. Activate power. Because if we are going to rise in our lives, rise in our lives, rise in our families, rise above the status quo of this wicked world, he says you pray in the Holy Ghost. You pray in the Holy Ghost. So, you know, you know, you know for instance, how do you want to make, for instance, I, I told people, I said, how do you think this church began? We just, we just say, Kai, uh, Afafa, sweetheart, I think we should start, start church, let's just start church. Or I say, Pastor, see you, Afa, let's go. No, that's not how it was born. It was born in prayer. Born in prayer. Several months. You know, then we used to, we used to pray 10, 10, 10 p.m. every Friday till minimum four hours. Every day praying. No instrument. No drums. No microphone. Just prayer. Just prayer. Why? Because we know that if we are going to rise, if we are going to make progress, that's the only way. But, and, that's why, and that's why the apostle said, we will give ourselves to what? To prayer. And what? To the ministry of the word. It says all these um, other distractions, we don't need it anymore. Prayer and the ministry of the word. Because when you no longer see your need, listen, when you stop praying, what you are telling God is that I don't need you for anything. That's what you are doing. We, if we call for concert now, eh? the whole place will be packed. Oh, yeah, let's call for prayer. That's a big affair. I know they call. You, don't, you are not serious yet. You see, listen, as long as you are okay with where you are, it's fine. But if you are sick and tired or being sick and tired, you will pray. Nobody needs to encourage you to for prayer. If you are tired of being sick and tired or being sick and tired, eh, you will pray. Nobody needs to tell you, Alpha, let, let's encourage you to prayer. No. We don't tell you when, when they say it's time for prayer. Say, Father, thank you because this is an opportunity for you to enter into my and invade into my life. You open your mouth and pray. So that you go one hour, Sakarabatarabaya, Regibarakaba, Lombarakate. Somebody, what are you doing? We are activating power. We are activating power. We are activating because we need that power. Because if you don't generate that power inside of you, you cannot go far. You can't go far. You may have all the money in this life, but Jesus will look at you and say, You are very poor. Because all you have is money. Hallelujah. How are we going to take over the nation of the earth? It starts from there when we generate power. Hallelujah. Hello. Hello. You know, tell your see, you've got to discipline yourself. Start, start practicing how to pray consistently. Right? Very simple. Listen, it is better to pray 10 minutes a day. Every day. Than not to pray at all. 
If you, pray, if, you, if you just put some spiritual music that will help you. See, that's why music is very important. Music can help you. So if you music that will help your environment, put music. Shut the distractions. Put your phone aside. If somebody, somebody is doing prayer, is doing WhatsApp, you are a joker. You are not serious. You are deceiving yourself. Put the phone aside because you need to hear from God what God has to speak to you about your life, about yourself, about your family, about your future, about your destiny. Pray about it. Pray about it. Speak in tongues for... Even if you do it 15 minutes every day, you are making progress. Tell somebody I'm making progress. Do it for six months consistently. Every day, 15 minutes. You don't miss it for six months. Eh? Even if it's three times a week, every day for six months. And then come back and say, Pastor, this thing you told me doesn't used to work. Then I'll tell you, stop praying. I'm giving you a challenge. I'm, I know what I'm saying. You, and you did it. 15 minutes every day. You entered your room anywhere. You spoke in tongues 15 minutes every day. Even if you didn't hear nothing, no problem. Just leave. Tomorrow again, you come. Tomorrow again, you go 15 minutes every day for the next six months. Come back and say, Pastor, nothing, nothing happened. Nothing changed in my life. Nothing happened at all. And I'll tell you, stop praying. That's the, that's the level of challenge I'm giving you because I know what it can do in your life. Because the, now you have opened the door of your heart. Because Jesus was outside the church and knocking at the door. But they were there praising God. But Jesus was not there. They are there dancing. Jesus is not there. Why? Because they shut the door of their heart. You want to open the door of your heart? Enter prayer. Enter prayer. Pray. 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 And pray and pray. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. Thank you Lord Jesus. You know some people, their prayer life has been so dry. Satan has to lock the tap. Lock the tap. Today to open in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet and lay your hands on your head now. Lay your hands on your, on your head now. Siba. Say together with me. Where's the drummer? 